Hey everyone, welcome back to B2B Growth Hacks. We are continuing our resilience series and I am so excited about the conversation today. I've got quite the treat. I bought an amazing implementer and change management consultant uh, to the show today and his name is Deepak Lawani. Deepak, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate so much your time. We've gotten some time to get to know each other briefly, but would you do me the favor and introduce yourself uh, to our audience? Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and what you do day to day and um, your consulting agency. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. So Deepak Alwani, uh, I own and operate a boutique uh, management consultancy, uh, which is uh, Deepak Alwani and Associates. Uh, the focus is to uh, work on project and change management, typically for enterprise technology uh, implementations. But my firm and I, we also focus on other types of business transformations. Um, it could be a business process redesign. It could be an org design or operating model redesign, or it could be something like an outsourcing or shared services standup. Yes, love it. So this topics of resilience is definitely not new to you. It's something that you're dealing with every day and helping orbs orgs figure out how they can best be resilient and make better choices and decisions about how they operate their businesses, the technology they're using to operate their businesses and how they best serve customers, right? So yeah. as we got to talking, you said this amazing sentence and I'd love to open up the conversation with that. You said, just because you have a system doesn't mean your system's working. Right. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. And you and when you go into these businesses, how you're um, some of the flaws that you're seeing with the systems and how um, you're able to help businesses combat that. Yeah. You know, one of the areas I work, I focus on is uh, process and enterprise technology uh, adoption. So yeah, just because, uh, so we're in the technology age, you know, we've lived through the industrial revolution um, and w we've lived through other eras um, where things have, has, have changed and accelerated at a rapid pace, you know, but for, for the past uh, 25 years, we've been working through the technology revolution and really that hasn't stopped. Um, it's not just industries, but it's just also the pace of change given um, the technological advances that we're experiencing today. So one of the things I focus on is um, uh, a process and enterprise technology adoption. Going back to what you said, just because you implement or deliver a new enterprise technology in an organization, more on the B2B side or even um, B2C, uh, when you download, let's say, a new application, it doesn't mean people are going to use it to its uh, to to its full extent, to its full potential, and I find that there's a gap between uh, people, whether customers or employees, whether consumer technology or more related to B two B to enterprise or organization technology. Um, I find that people are not using uh, the these enterprise technologies and the processes around it. Uh, to its maximum potential. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think every, a tech comes loaded with tons of things, but I think you brought up a good point, and, and that's whether or not the new technology that you're implementing or application is connected to your customer. 
Um, yeah. it, be, be like our idea of how a customer will use something is not necessarily the road path they take. Yeah, that's right. Right. Because um, I think sometimes, um, you know, you have system implementers and or management consultancies that don't take into consideration the amount of time and energy it takes around someone implementing, uh, you know, new technology. Um, so that that human interaction or the people interaction involved with, um, you know, understanding, you know, what the t uh, being aware of the technology, understanding what it is, understanding how it's going to impact them, understanding how it's going to help them and just get used to using it. Um, and it, it's not that much different than building muscles. I mean, uh, just because you come come across a new machine uh, when you're weightlifting or doing some cardio work doesn't mean you're going to you're going to use it over and over and over again. And, you know, we, we, we actually find that with with a lot of gyms today, you know, a lot of them have closed down because of the pandemic. Uh, a lot of people are, uh, I find, um, getting at home uh, machines, but a lot of them are being more connected. Uh, I'm actually uh, using a, a machine now that, that uses data uh, to include like uh, statistics about usage, um, metrics, helping you understand goals as you train with an at-home uh, machine. Um, and so like, you know, the human factor needs to be taken into account as new features and functions become available around new technology. Absolutely. Yeah. Not, not only does how does the customer impact it on a very technical, you know, physical walkthrough, um, but how does this bring value to the customer? Um, you may think a feature is very great to include, but if you're running usage tests and you realize that that feature isn't getting used, is it one, that it's not helpful? Two, that um, you, the customer isn't educated on how to use that? Um, is your team not educated on educating the customer or equipping the customer on how to use it. So there's so many factors when it comes to implementing a technology. And you mentioned that, you know, part of being resilient and implementing a new technology is, is being able to be malleable and nimble. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on the uh, management consulting side, when, when we're, when we're working with uh, clients or customers, you know, we do try to take a, you know, a white glove approach where we make sure that, there's a level of adoption that's in incredibly effective that, you know, when, when we walk away from a client or a customer, there's a bit of a stickiness, you know, to some of the work that we're doing. There's some adoption, there's some understanding, there's, there's lots of awareness. In other words, like they perceive and experience the value that they receive, you know, when they're working with, with me and my firm. Um, and I think that's important. Um, uh, and, and it's, it's something that gets lost, like the, the human piece, because, um, a lot of management and or technology companies get very excited about what they call a new release, um, whether it's a new feature or a new function, but, uh, you know, there's a big human element to it and it, it could really make or break, um, a new technology, uh, in organizations today. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's very uh, it's very 
easy to use them as an example, but I don't think anyone sticks their nose up when you use them as an example. I think this is what Apple has done so well as they've yeah. brought in their products down to, to a human experience to where a three-year-old can interact with the product and it feels very natural and, um, and, and fluid as they're interacting with it, all the way up to complex functions um, like holding down buttons um, and things like that, that, right. that you know adults would use to do more complex things with applications on their devices. So I think in essence, um, what Apple has done is made an extremely marketable product. And this, uh, moving right. into our next point, this is something that you mentioned when it comes to being resilient um, in creating systems and products and change management is that what you're doing has to be marketable. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of the challenge is uh, when you when you own and operate a management consultancy, you realize that uh, things just continue to change. Like client needs change. Um, you know, uh, for example, you know, many consultants, many experienced consultants, grew up traveling um, and and getting to a client site either, excuse me, Sunday night or Monday morning, and uh, they would leave out Thursday night. Um, and, you know, pretty much work from home Friday. Uh, now what we're finding is uh, travel and transportation is uh, slow because of the pandemic. You know, now we have the Delta variant, you know, that's really changed things. And as a result of that, um, it's driving this new digital transformation, whether B2C or B2B for all of us. You know, on the B2B side, for example, you know, we're using technologies such as um, Microsoft Teams or uh, Zoom video conferencing to help us connect with our clients and our customers uh, and, and make the interaction a little more engaging as opposed to sending an email and waiting for a response. Um, and so, you know, we're seeing a lot of that. Even on the uh, consumer side, we're seeing more people use video uh, on their phones, uh, whether it's Google Duo on Android devices or FaceTime on, on uh, Apple. Yeah, so in thinking through um, any product deliverings that you have, or if you're managing a business like we are and thinking about how to interact with customers, it's looking at these different um, forms of communication and thinking about how to implement them in your process. And I think you know, the goal with doing that is really to connect with your customer in the most authentic way. Um, and we find ourselves super challenged by the pandemic. We're connecting today over a video interface software that came out for podcasting just last year in the middle of the pandemic. So it goes to show you that, uh, you know, you have to continuously be looking to technology for ways to improve your customer experience. And I think on top of that, um, continuing the conversation of, of, of value adding. Is this adding value to this interaction? Is it distracting? Um, is there a better way that we can do things? And then once you approach that, um, you know, getting your team on board in, a, in kind of the facet that you do, which is helping implement it across an organization. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, being resilient, you know, means, you know, being able to stay on your feet um, and being able to um, really uh, kind of shook and jive or kind of run with your run with your client. Um, 
you know, I'm currently working, I'll give you an example. Like I'm currently working with a client in a pharmaceutical company and his management and communication style is, uh, it's very unique. You know, he's very hands-on, he's very opinionated, um, but he's also signing the checks. Uh, so that idea is really important and helps us be billable uh, and chargeable to that one client. Um, and so it's up to us to, to adopt to a customer or a client's needs, especially in the management consulting industry, uh, when those needs uh, change often. Uh, so it's up to us to be flexible um, and be able to fit kind of the client needs and understand their management and uh, communication and personality style. Yeah, for sure. The onus is on you if you want to provide yeah. a good customer experience. Um, and internally, I can say we've dealt with this. I mean, when you have all different types of communication channels from Zoom to email to text to Slack, um, we've dealt with just such a variety of customers and industries that have different preferences. And we've struggled yeah. at times with trying to figure out how do you stay lean and resourceful yet provide the most value to your customer, communicate with them the way that they prefer. Um, and it's been quite a challenge, I, I, I won't lie. Yeah, when you think about it from a like a project management or delivery side, you know, some project managers or people in the delivery space will send an email or send a presentation and they think, you know, their interaction with the client is over because they can check the box across it off their to-do list. Um, and it never quite work, it works like that. Um, I find it's better to really understand like your client or customer's uh, preferences. The best way really is to just ask them and they may not know and you may have to discover it over time. Um, so for example, I'm working with a client and they're, they're so much better with instant messaging through MS Teams um, than they are with answering emails. And you know, that's a learning I have to take into consideration when I need to kind of frame and drive, you know, these changes on their behalf. Um, and, you know, I find the more I do that, like the better, you know, the better I hang on, the more engaged the client is, the more they see the value um, and, and the farther I get with them. You know, quick example, this one example I'm using with the pharmaceutical client who is very hands-on and um, he is uh, very opinionated um, but he's also an executive and uh, he's very sharp and uh, he certainly has, you know, a much, a much better understanding of uh, the, the process changes within the pharmaceutical industry and has a better idea of, uh, you know, what their own client needs are. And so it's important for me to adapt to that uh, and to deliver on that. Um, and the more I do that, the less back and forth I have with a client in terms of meeting their needs. I mean, just recently, we put out a communication about some updates uh, in terms of advancement in our work. Um, and what I've noticed is this is the uh, third kind of project communication I'm putting out. And what I find is, you know, because of uh, building trust through video or building trust through MS Teams, whether audio or video, through the use of Teams, like there's less, there's less uh, back and forth. Um, there's less, um, there are less steps to kind of having it implemented with that. And, and, you know, th that is because of the, the trust I've built over time. And, and that really does come from like understanding the clients or customers needs better.
um, and fitting and fitting in better with the culture. Yeah, you hit on so many great points here. Um, I'd love to dive deeper on this idea of, of building trust. Um, yeah. And any time that you implement any type of change, I think part of being resilient absolutely is being able to adapt. Um, as, as individuals, we get to choose to adapt to our environment, but when we're a collective or we're an organization, you're dealing with so many different personalities and there's always gonna be friction. Um, and so you mentioned one of the ways to help resolve friction is to build trust. Let's dive a little bit into that. What other types of yeah. um, things do you approach when you're trying to help implement something and you know there's going to be resistance and friction? Yeah, yeah, it really comes down to building trust. But then you're probably asking, you know, you're not going to build trust on the first day. Um, you know, uh, it typically comes over time. So one of my questions is if I'm going to, you know, if, if uh, it's a long-term engagement and I'm gonna be with this client for some time, I find that it's important to look for ways to accelerate that. And one of the ways to do that is to work backwards and understand their preferences and the way they operate and the way they do things. So uh, just, just using this pharmaceutical executive uh, and client, uh, I know that he, there are times where he just prefers kind of working alone as opposed to a team. So just this past uh, last week, for example, I put together a communication for having it published to um, to the uh, pharmaceutical company at large, um, as well as the uh, the various project teams. And uh, I got on a, an MS Teams call where I was connecting with him live. And he wanted a little bit of time to work on it on his own. And, you know, uh, it was a half an hour meeting and five minutes into the meeting, he goes, you know, do you mind if I just, you could, would you mind if, if you just email it to me and I'll review it and I'll, I'll get back to you with any changes. Um, and, and lo and behold, you know, I've been on this engagement for about uh, three, three months and he did re review it. And uh, it was so much easier this go around because, you know, I have been in the trenches with him this past three months that he didn't really come back to me with changes, but took it, um, PDF'd it and then published it to the to the appropriate site internally at this pharmaceutical client. So, again, you know, trust was built over time. I understood his communication and management style. Uh, you know, I know what turned him on. I knew things that turned him off. I know not to try to deliver something without his review and approval. Um, I've known that, you know, I've gained his review and approval over time. And I've, I've learned and understood his style. And as a result of that, you know, there's less back and forth with that review and approval process um, because we have developed trust, but I've also understood his working style over time. Yeah, and I, I love I love the the point of of not just understanding someone's working style, but really just having an appreciation for our differences. Um, executives, founders, um, you know, creatives, uh, technical people—they all have these different quirks and different personalities, and they all serve a purpose within the organization if we're willing to be more appreciative and understanding of those quirks and adjust and adapt. Um, I'll give yeah. you a kind of a, a small example, um, and it's it's so small scale, but I thought it was interesting. I worked at this larger organization, and I always had this 
very kind of head down approach, head down. She's on a mission doing her work. And I realized that sometimes um, that that stopped me from looking up and saying hello to people or greeting them when I walked by because I was so focused. And so I did this very small thing and it had such a huge impact. I put different door hangers on my door that said like I'm in focus time or I'm on a call or I'm whatever. Um, One, because we're distancing as well, but two, um, because I thought it would be helpful for people just to know where my mind was. Because the truth is I'm an extrovert and I wanna talk more than anybody, but not more than I wanna get the work done. And it's funny because as a couple weeks passed by, I saw, four or five more employees went and purchased the same door hangers for their door. And I thought, how cool is this? How cool is it that one, we there's, there's an organization built where we're so trusting of one another and the culture that we could be ourselves that way, that we felt empowered. But also too, um, how cool that you get to be, you get to just adjust and be yourself. Like, and I think that's that's part of it as a as a leader. I think you you're challenged and tasked to grow, but there is a certain um, element of of drive and charisma that I think execs and founders have that. Um, if if we if we're not careful that we can uh, shun that or lose that, and it really really um, impacts the culture of the org so much. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So, so beyond understanding, um, you know, internal needs, um, kind of moving back to the client side of things. Tell me how you approach. Um, once you've once you've gained trust internally to change yeah. things or you've gotten this this good scope on um, some things that need to be implemented or changed, how do you go about assisting an executive team to do that? What are some of the the steps that you take? I mean, I'm guessing you're identifying holes and you have a process. Tell me a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I I definitely do a lot of project and change management work, and it's it's definitely more around. It's less around me coming up with a, a new framework or a new strategy, and um, pitching it to a client um, to help them understand. Look, um, this is our idea uh, around this industry, or this uh, or this uh, department or this function. And, um, you know, this is what things are going to look like one year, three year, five year, seven year, 10 years out. More of the work I do involves understanding what their strategy is, um, seeing where they are with it, and then help them really implementing it more so and adopting it and, it, and their people uh, rather than creating something from scratch. So I find myself in situations where um, I'm helping that, I'm helping understand their strategy, but more executing on what that framework or approach or strategy will be uh, and putting it into play with with the organization uh, and, and an executive's team, uh, you know, whether C-suite or a VP or things of that nature. So it's so it's much more a focus on implementation and strategy execution rather than pitching them a new idea. Okay, sure. Tell me some of the common, you mentioned this earlier and it kind of surprised me when you said um, 
you know, when I'm coming in and asking their strategy, sometimes they don't know what it is. So yeah. how do you deal with some common things as you're as you're going in and uh, having these conversations? Let's start with that one. Yeah, there are times where uh, you'll find a client and, you know, 80% of his strategy is done and not fully baked. So, you know, we do help them clarify some of their offerings and their needs by having a one-on-one -on -one session with them, or some of us call it a scoping session. Today, it could be a discovery session to help us understand and frame out what their needs are what their offering is, uh, what their strategy is, what their proposal is, what their process is, what their approach to is. Um, so we, we, we do help kind of do some of that, but we, we more so come, come on the back end to help kind of put a plan together or uh, put a roadmap together to kind of execute uh, in a direction they've kind of they've already made a decision on with their top team. Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's always an opportunity to flesh out some of those ideas, um, to uh, just listen, do some active listening, take copious notes, um, help them frame up, you know, the information in a PowerPoint or, or several slides um, to kind of concretize or, to um, to make to make the ideas more concrete uh, and uh, to just structure the ideas and their proposition in a way that'll be more acceptable for the organization and its people and its customers. So so you know it's typically more uh, sixty to eighty percent execution and maybe twenty and forty percent to focus on. The strategy so we may just be there to help clarify their offering or proposal and put it on paper so it's better to it's easier to socialize with uh, their key stakeholders got it surely as you're doing this work you see common errors that we make in trying to implement new systems and approach uh big changes like this Tell me a little bit about some of the big mistakes you see and that we make when we're trying to do these, do this. Yeah, yeah, and they're not necessarily mistakes. I think they come with like 20 years of experience, but definitely some of the challenges that that uh, get in the way. Like, be, you know, I think one of them is, you know, now that we, we where, where a lot of the white collar folks are working from home and have gotten used to that, you know, don't be afraid to get on video to uh, make eye contact. You know, we talk about making eye contact when meeting people, whether new or incumbent or people that have been there, or people that you've been working with. You know, with stuff that where there's a lot of ambiguity, don't be, don't be uh, afraid to make eye contact with your stakeholders so they get to know you and, you know, they, they take you a little more seriously. Um, and they take you with a little more gravitas or more weight. Um, so I think that's important, you know, because it helps kind of, it's much more engaging than what you'll find on a resume or a piece of paper or a proposal. And uh, it really makes kind of a resume or the work you do on a piece of paper uh, come alive, you know, literally and figuratively. So I, I think don't be afraid to make eye contact 
and engage with a client, whether new or, or current, like face to face over video today. I think that's one really important one. And you'll get through with your client much farther and much faster. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, totally have that experience. Always looking for ways to engage, especially that we're in communication and media, um, for sure. Um, I yeah. think one of the one of the points you had mentioned before that I found really um, really kind of profound is not getting lost in our data and our CRM software. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because you know with the technology today, you can do a lot more than just. Uh, identifying and understanding and defining uh, kind of the open and or click rates. Um, you know, I mean, artificial intelligence uh, has been, become a little more pervasive in 2021. Now look in the 2022. Um, so, you know, you can do a, a lot with data and visualization as a matter of fact, whole enterprise technologies have been created uh, on on data. You know, Tableau is a, a, a recent is a good example, and uh, you know, Salesforce.com, for example, saw the value of that and acquired them um, as, as data and data visualization becomes more mature uh, for companies to be used in the marketplace. Um, so, I mean, although I am a big fan of of copy and pasting that all of that into a PowerPoint and sending it to a client via email, I'm, I'm, I'm much more bigger on putting that presentation together and creating a meeting invite to walk the client through the information and to help them understand the new, the nuances, but to also, um, you know, to also understand that, um, I can help, uh, that information fly off the page with a with an in-person uh, meeting eye to eye kind of video contact as opposed to just uh, having someone email uh, just emailing someone um, and then reviewing it if they review the attachment at all. Um, I think that's really, really important um, because I, I think that gets missed a lot because all of us are getting a lot of emails. Uh, we are, you know, whether we like it or not, uh, not only in this technology age, but the, a niche within that because of this pandemic induced digital transformation, everyone, everyone is working um, electronically, everyone's working digitally um, and electronic mail um, I feel like, you know, everyone gets a lot of emails, everyone gets a lot of newsletters that they don't sign up for. Um, and it, you just have a lot of more impact and engagement um, through video and connecting with the client uh, live as opposed to electronic mail. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Keeping that human um, element, making sure that you use data for what it's for, um, for good substantiated evidence um, for whatever product or solution you're providing, but never losing that human touch and human interaction with your client. Yeah, because if you think, you know, writing a, a 50 page report and then emailing it them, You'll be lucky if they get to the first page. You know, you, you know, we're not the only consultant in their, in their, um, in their, you know, on their mind. 
Um, you know, they have other things, whether personal, we're in their living room, you know, there are other things they're grappling with, whether personal or professional. Um, so, you know, I think it's really important to maybe add some time on the calendar and, you know, kind of walk through the, walk them through the results to make it more engaging, more interactive, more dialogue based and make it more of a two-way communication as opposed to a one-way communication where you just email them the results. Yeah, yeah, I'd love that. It's a two-way conversation. And you mentioned this before that, you know, one of the uh, common challenges that you see is people using ineffective communication channels. And I think that's what you're hitting on here is, is you know, just checking off a box and, and maintaining the status quo of I've checked in with this client this week, I've sent this proposal, I've sent this um, report that was due, right. but not really... Um, caring enough to maintain the relationship. Right, not engaging them, not making it more interactive, not making it more of a discussion or a dialogue. Um, yeah, that one-way communication never kind of focuses on, you know, what's in it for them or um, make it more customized and easier for them. Um, and I think that's that gets lost and I, and I think that's important. Um, you know, I've worked with people that are driving their own agenda, uh, for example. And um, sometimes I just don't know what's in it for me or why should I move forward with, you know, um, what their agenda is. And I think that gets lost um, with, with our clients and our customers today. And to, cl to clarify or just emphasize what you're saying here, it's, it's pushing your own agenda versus looking to pro provide value to your client or customer. Sure, we all have a service or a product, but if you're looking to help someone solve a problem, now you get um, now you get an opportunity to to have a conversation with them um, with that approach, rather than you know just pushing and pushing and pushing your own agenda or products onto them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know. Uh, you're, you're definitely not going to be their, the only uh, uh, email in their inbox. You know, they're, they're, they, their inbox is filled with emails to be read and to be digested. Um, and I think that that idea uh, when you're, uh, you know, when you're pushing your own agenda, like you said, gets lost. Yeah. And it, there's, there is a tension here because there is a digital transformation happening. It's challenging us every day as people and as businesses. And you want to be up to date on the best tech and not resist this. But we also don't want to adapt so much to communication digitally that we use the human centric touch um, to, you know, our 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 processes and, and sales and um, interactions, client checks, check-ins, etc. So I think that's kind of a double-edged sword here, um, whereas you, you don't want to be apprehensive or resistant to adapting to the digital transformation, but you want to be aware of how it's, uh, of, of where the human element lies in your, in your process. Yeah, yeah, that human factor, that human element, um, I think some of that gets lost, especially in email. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and it's so hard. I mean, when you're when you're texting or you're emailing, even sometimes in Slack, it's it text does not communicate human gestures or your features. And I think some of those things are so important. Those nonverbal cues that we connect on. Um, you can automatically see when you're talking to someone when if they're feeling apprehensive or if they're feeling guarded by just their their body language. And I think that's so important and it gets missed when you don't have an opportunity, like you said, to present a new idea or present a new solution in person. Um, you, you, you lose some of those uh, key elements that help us be resistant, that help us better adapt in conversation. Yeah, I think there's a stat out there that says about 70% of communication is like nonverbal. Um, and so when you think about that and you're, you're texting, there's just, there, you know, there's just a, um, unless you have a relationship with it already, um, you know, th there could be, uh, th you know, I mean, texting could lead to a lot of uh, misunderstandings, you know, and uh, miscommunication. So, um, at times when I know, you know, there is a misunderstanding or mis miscommunication, I think the best thing to do is really just to pick up the phone um, and just talk things through. Um, so I think that element gets, that live element gets lost, you know, whether over the phone or in video. Um, and we shouldn't forget that those are communication tools outside of instant messaging and texting also. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We all want to know what the coolest, newest thing to do. But this is still the, I think that the most tried and true thing is looking at someone in the eye, having a, a direct conversation. Um, and, and it's something we all understand. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I, this has been so like just jam packed with great information. But give me give me one final thought you want to leave our audience with, um, if you could, related to ERP uh, implementation, change management. Um, what what's a tip you can leave us all with that would help us be better resilient in this area? Yeah, yeah, and you know I know we keep coming back to that theme of being resilient. Um, I think learn to connect with your client, whether short, tall blue, green, big, small, black, white, male, female, um, understanding their management and communication style and changing your ways to adapt to a customer's needs. I think that's never going to change whether now or, or in the future. Um, so it's great and it's sexy and it's elegant that we have all these great technologies, you know, whether a, a new social media, um, platforms such as TikTok or Snapchat before that or Facebook before that. Um, I, I can never take away from that. And that's added a lot of value. Um, but, you know, you know, that technology also has been misused. So I, I feel like, you know, if you have a customer um, and, and you have a relationship and, you know, you know, they're paying you, um, I think, you know, get in touch with them live, whether in whether uh, on the phone, uh, in the form of an audio call or, you know, through video. I, I think that's uh, being um, lockstep where your client or customer um, is a great way to stay resilient. Love it. Couldn't agree more. Well, tell me, t tell us a little bit about what, where our audience can find you. You have an amazing consulting business. Um, so tell us okay. where they can, um, where they can connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can find me on my, on LinkedIn. So feel free to connect there. Um, 
uh, at you know Deepak Lalwani, but you can also access that LinkedIn through my website, which is really easy. It's www.deepaklalwani.com. So that's uh, www.firstnamelastname.com. Uh, D-E-E-P-A-K, last name Lalwani, L-A-L-W-A-N-I. Awesome. Well, Deepak, thank you so much for your time today. This has been so great and um, so inspiring and such a great reminder. I can't wait for our audience to uh, digest this and ask us further questions. Uh, So thank you so much for being on B2B Growth Hacks today. 